Hi, Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 31. This will be Part 2 of How to Identify and Date uh, English Clocks, and we're uh, halfway through, or more than halfway through, the Lantern Clock, the Lantern English Clock. So so let's continue. Uh, many fine lantern clocks with short pendulums appeared from circa 1660 until well throughout the 18th century. Clockmakers realized that it was not difficult to alter the design of a balance with crown wheel and verge to a short pendulum with the same escapement. The main change was to plant the crown wheel horizontally instead of vertically. So the original crown wheel was replaced by one with ordinary teeth on the edge of the band rim. This is known as a contrate wheel and was used to drive a pinion on the end of a vertical arbor with the crown wheel on top of it, under the bell, where the balance used to be. The verge was now mounted horizontally across this, with the pendulum rod fastened at the back end, at right angles, to hang down. The pendulum bob was a small, pear-shaped brass bob, threaded so that it could be screwed up or down to alter the rate speed of the clock for timekeeping. To avoid the difficulty of making a long, thin, female thread on the bob, a piece of wood was inserted in a hole and the threaded rod screwed into this. At some point, though, in the life of the short pendulum lantern clock, some makers placed the pendulum between the going and striking trains in the middle of the movement. Others retained it on the back, but within the case. Extremely rarely situations, the pendulum was hung outside on the front, continental style, instead of outside at the back. A central pendulum sometimes has a banana-shaped bob, each end of which appears through the slots in the side of the clock when it is going. The Tompion clock numbered number five has such slots. Such clocks were often provided with wings on each side. These were triangular pieces behind the slots. From the later 17th to the second half of the 18th century, this continued. They were enclosed at the front by transparent horn, or they were even glazed. The greatest change came about around 1670, with the introduction of the anchor escapement, in which the escape wheel was like a flattened wooden crown wheel, so that the teeth were on the outer edge of the normal gear wheel, except that they were of special pointed shape. This allowed the use of pallets at the end of the anchor-shaped piece of steel instead of the verge. The advantage was that the pendulum did not have to swing so widely, so a long one could be used instead. This relatively easy-to-convert old-balance wheel of clocks occurred by removing the verge and the balance and replacing the crown wheel by a flat escape wheel and adding the escapement. The incongruity incongruity of a long pendulum hanging behind a lantern clock did not seem to worry some owners, though, and almost all the original circular balance wheel clocks seemed to have been converted to anchor escapements and long pendulums. Unfortunately, though, because the pendulum was hung on the outside at the back, the alarm mechanism was removed and thrown away, along with the entire back plate. The anchor carrying the lifting lever 
and alarm detent was pivoted in the dial plate at the front, near or even at the 11 o'clock hour marker, or in a hole behind the chapter ring. The other pivot was the iron backplate. When a clock was converted to anchor escapement, the backplate was replaced and the arbor was removed, but the pivot hole still remained. The alarm setting disc on the dial was usually retained because the zone underneath was not engraved or had practice cuts used into it. Another sign of conversion is a bridge, which is a bracket fastened at both ends, riveted on the middle frame bar through which the verge passed. This was usually retained to hold one pivot of the escape wheel. The more accurate long pendulum encouraged the use of two hands in clocks other than lanterns, which meant the incorporation of the 12 to 1 gearing between minute and hour hands, known commonly as motion work. The single hand persisted in lantern clocks and also in long case clocks with lantern clock style posted movements made outside of London, as well as later ones with plated movements. Until the end of the next century, mainly because there was little demand for timekeeping to the minute except in the more industrialized towns in England, few were ever made with two hands. Some lantern clocks and many posted frame movements in long cases made with one hand were converted to two and conversion sets were readily available starting in the first quarter of the 18th century. The motion work is the same though, whether the clock was made with it or converted, which causes difficulties in judging originality and dating a clock. But one benefit, the endless rope drive, an invention credited to Christian Huygens from Holland, provided the opportunity of making clocks that would run for about 30 hours, so that they needed winding once a day instead of twice. What a great advancement at this point. Only one weight would be required, but it is a little bit heavier than normal. It hangs from a pulley in the loop of the endless rope, which passes over the pulleys of both going and striking great wheels, so that only one of them needs a ratchet drive. The other loop has either a small counterweight on a pulley or is threaded through a lead ring. The endless rope provided what is called maintaining power because the weight continues to drive the hands while it is being pulled up during the winding cycle. The clock stopped while winding in earlier type systems. To increase the going time, the great wheels were designed to run in the same direction, anti-clockwise. The going great wheel turns two and a half to three hours instead of one but the striking great wheel has twice as many pins to operate the hammer, which is placed on the other left-hand side of the clock. Early lantern clocks driven by two weights were easily made to be operated by one, without mechanical alteration of any sort. An endless rope was placed over both great wheel pulleys in such a way that the driving weight turned the striking great wheel clockwise and the going great wheel anti-clockwise. The ratchet, which clockmakers refer to today as the click, was removed from the going pulley, which was fixed to the great wheel, so that maintaining power would be provided. And that finishes up with uh, the second 
portion of uh, lantern clocks, how to date um, English clocks, how to identify them, how to date them. So Greg Perry, the historic preservationist, signing out. Thanks, everyone, for listening.